baseball fans. BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM Swing for the Fences free to play game. Pick any area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM Sports account to get started. Then visit your promotion section to access the Swing for the Fences free to play game. You'll score a prize if you hit a single, double, triple, or home run. There's nothing more exciting than going yard. So swing for the fences with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on the market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hey guys, it's Mike. As you know, I adopted my pup Rocky from a local rescue. Now, when people ask me what kind of dog Rocky was, I was always stumped. I used an Embark Dog DNA test to decode my most puzzling questions about Rocky. You can also learn about your dog's inner secrets with Embark, the highest rated dog DNA test. Unlock over 350 breeds and screen for over 200 genetic health risks. Save $50 on a breed and health kit with promo code KIT at EmbarkVet.com. Again, that's promo code KIT. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. 
So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. All right, it's Film Study with Ken McCusick once again. Uh, second week in a row, I believe. Ken McCusick, how are you doing? Life's good, Josh. How about you? I'm doing well. And uh, we've got Michael here like normal. How's it going, Michael? Hey, Josh, Ken. How's it going tonight, guys? Good to be back. Um, almost feels like regular season form a little bit here. Yeah, doesn't it? I mean, if your guys' Twitter accounts are any, any telling, and uh, the fact that we had really good download numbers on the draft analysis and uh, – I think that did really good, and that's why we're here again to kind of dig even deeper into the draft. We're talking about one guy. We're going to really look at Ben Powers, and this I think that's fitting because there's been so much questions about the offensive line during this offseason. Yeah, sure has. So left guard and center, obviously a big concern, uh, not to mention the fact that Marshall Yonda's retirement was hanging like a dark cloud over the, over the organization all winter, so or summer, I should say. Uh, all off season. Let's get it that way. But anyway, we have an we have an all star panel, all offensive line analysts here with us with this today. Yeah, Michael Crawford. Why don't you intro who's with us and let's everyone get their Twitter handles out and all that right now. Yeah, that's important. We want to make sure we get that done up front. Okay, so Mike, Michael Crawford, of course, is with us here. Uh, Scouting Academy uh, current enrollee. Is that correct, or are you a graduate now, Michael? No, I re up for a second semester uh, just a couple days ago, so I'm starting back um, next Monday. All kinds of fun. Everybody, universal love for the thing. At Abukari, dot, uh, at Abukari on, uh, on Twitter. That's right. A-B-U-K-A-R-I. Exactly how it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Now, joining us, uh, we have two other special guests here. The first is Ivan Evans, who a lot of you know as Coach Evans from his YouTube videos. That's me. Uh, Coach Evans 9 is my Twitter. Uh, YouTube handle Skip the Tally Films, and um, I jumped in this last year at the beginning of the season, and, and loving getting with you guys. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, we, we love having you, Ivan. It's great to meet you in person after after watching your videos. Also with us, Cole Jackson from RSR. Uh, Cole, tell us a little about what you write for RSR. I do mostly the grade reports for uh, for RSR, but I've also started doing some more scouting stuff, which has uh, led me to being on the show. Uh, you can also find me on. Uh, the RSR forum where I've gotten to know Ken pretty well. Uh, I'm known as Great White North Raven, so um, I'm always looking for. Uh, Michael Crawford knows as well. I'm always looking for a good debate, so uh, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Cole Jackson RSR or over on the forum. Good, good follows all. And by the way, jump into that discussion, guys, and don't try and make it a private message. Usually, just send something and, and you know add a, at Cole Jackson RSR and add Ivan Evans. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry, at Coach Evans nine RS I, I, uh, at the end of it, and the the conversation starts itself, and then you'll right. realize that there's really not just two people in that conversation or four. There's really like all of their followers. Right. So you, you get a great discussion going any time of day by doing that. This this is a I really like this big panel. We might need to we might have to put out some of this video later because it's like the Brady Bunch with all, the whole screen is filled with you guys. I'm waiting for you guys to look up and down, looking at each other as you're gonna break down Ben Powers. 
All right, yeah. let's let's get to it. We're going to do some game reports first on Ben Powers from 2018. So we're going to try and be pretty quick with these. In fact, we really had to figure out how to pare down the information on this episode, but we're, we're going to get right to it. And uh, and I want to start with the Ben Powers uh, material uh, from the Texas game, uh, which I happen to score um, uh, last uh, couple days. And let me bring up the article here so I can look right at it and give you my report. All right, so Powers had 58 scored snaps in this game as I do it, and I'm going to give you my normal grading report as I do. But remember, this is 58 out of maybe 800 he had for the whole season. Uh, in this game, this is the game uh, Oklahoma versus Texas. It was played in Dallas on October 6th. Uh, I thought Ben played pretty well in the game. He did give up a holding penalty, which negated a 28-yard run by Murray. Uh, I charged him with half a penetration on a very key fumble in the game by Murray, where he tripped over his center. And this is an interesting thing because the center is a is a freshman Creed Humphrey who's enormous at 6'4", 325, but he doesn't have the good footwork that we're used to from a, a Matt Skura, uh, who doesn't really he went the whole season really without tripping up the guard on a pull. But Creed Humphrey did get him, and, and it ended up he uh, uh, Powers went to the ground and wasn't able to block his guy linebacker Gary Johnson who stripped the ball. And, uh, and that ended up being a pretty key play in that game. Uh, there was another play where Humphrey also fell into him on what would have been a chop block at the NFL level. It's towards the end of the first quarter, if you want to go back and look at the film on that. I only had him for one pass blocking charge, and he, that one was one where he's left alone on the left edge, which is unusual for a guard. And he was against the Big 12 lineman of the year, Charles Amenahu. Uh, it's at the early in quarter two. And he wasn't able to stay with him. And one of the things you probably have seen the last few days is that Powers was not charged with a sack on the whole year. And we have to go back and forth on this. I don't want to go over all again about the differences between PFF and my method. But I charged him with a third of that sack. PFF charges him with zero sacks on that play. And uh, Omenahu was actually the guy who got the sack on the play. Although what really happened was he lost control of Omenahu on the left side. And that caused Murray to be contained. And, and uh, he, he did eventually uh, go down. Uh, anyway, uh, he had four blocks in level two in the game, one pancake. He scored one of three points on pulls as I had it, and he gets a minus one on the one pull I mentioned earlier. So that was the main detractor there. He had three highlight blocks in the games I scored it. The most impressive one of those was a nice combination on the nose tackle and then a move to level two to block Johnson. Uh, that was towards the end of the game. And I believe it was on a touchdown run as well. He blocked. Johnson 10 yards down the field to a point where he got visibly upset as he disengaged after the score. So uh, that was something nice to see as well. So 58 plays. Uh, he, he got a B minus on that uh, with the largest single charge being that holding call to, to talk about a few of the specific things in here. Uh, I, I really liked his pass blocking anchor in the game. We're going to get a little bit more into that later. So I'll hold off on that. Um, Texas really ran very few blitzes and stunts in this game. So I'll be interested to hear from you guys in your game reports, uh, you know, how he picked that up. But I'm really not able to opine from this game on that element. One thing I did like him on a pass blocker in this game is that he really looks for work actively. So uh, Texas used a number of three and four man fronts. They often left him uncovered. And that left him in a position where he had to figure out whether block left or block right. And he actually skipped a gap on two separate occasions in one game, which is really odd, but very useful for a mobile quarterback. So you have a quarterback like Kyler Murray. He's scrambling around that pocket and you want to you want to make the opportunities to extend a play for him. And he looked beyond his own two gaps to do that. So I was impressed by that. He jumped out to the to the to the outside of the left tackle on one play and moved across the pocket to the right on another play. So those are a couple good things. 
some other things we're going to get to later, like this double teamwork. He uh, seems to be very well uh, schooled in that regard. I think that's a plus and a minus. We'll talk about that a little later. Um, they were able uh, in this game to create a number of opportunities for him to get to level two where he made his blocks, seemed to line his guys up well. Uh, I like the way he's proportioned as a lineman. I, I, a lot of people really like the heavy, heavy, super heavy bottom face, uh, what I'll call a pear-shaped man uh, for, <laughs> for, for linemen. Yeah, we got some laughs coming out of that one. Um, I, he is, he's definitely more of an apple. He's more a square top to bottom. But looking at him, I, I, you know, I don't see a problem with proportion that, that could be said. He certainly doesn't. I didn't really notice a lot of the problems with mobility that had been cited by other scouts. So I'm sure we're going to get to talk to a little bit more about this. And, uh, uh, you know, it's exciting, exciting pick for the Ravens. And uh, uh, without further ado, let's just get to the next game report so we can uh, uh, keep this moving. Okay, I had uh, the TCU game, which happened on what, October 20th. And again, TCU played some three, a lot of three, three man fronts like Texas. And there were times where he had to, like you said, uh, figure out the block left or right. But I have uh, five points that stood out to me. And I didn't chart the plays as well as you guys do, but I just kind of go off the, the eye test and I kind of do it like I do my own teams. And so the five things that stood out for me in that game was the, his ability to know when to log when running the counter and start kicking the guys out. When the defensive end was squeezed hard, he you know, instantly knew to seal that guy. And, and I, I think I forget who the tackle is on his side, but they were just – turn that counter to like an outside zone type deal. And that, you know, the ability for them to do that showed me a well-coached uh, O-line as a whole because both of those guys were able to recognize what was going on and to not force the counter to go inside. Uh, the second thing I, I, that stood out to me was uh, scoop blocks. And the terminology may be different from others, but it's one play in particular. He was the left guard, correct? There was a three technique on the other side. And they ran outside zone to that three technique. He blocked the three technique. The center and the right guard ran their outside zone tracks while this dude stunted toward Ben Powers. And he scooped all the way over, block picked the guy up, and whoever the running back was ran off of him. For him to get two gaps over Mac Block, that's uh, amazing to me. That goes to talk about his athleticism, but I think we'll, we'll talk about that a little later. Right, the third thing is the way he finished plays. Couple plays that happened down the field, whether it be quick passes and run out the catch. Powers was on his horse trying to get down there and make an extra block. And then when he got a chance to like get guys off balance, they hit the ground. A lot of pancakes for him in that game. Also, um, he finds work. Uh, if like you say, he was uncovered a lot in a lot of games, and he didn't just stand there and, and kick slide or just stand there and look around. He went to go work on somebody. Either he was helping the the center on the nose or helping the tackle on the the four out of five technique. And the fifth thing uh, was actually uh, his kickouts, too. When he did get a chance to kick out guys, he kicked them out for real and made an amazing gap for the tackle and the running back to run through. So those were the five things that I, that stood out to me in the TCU game, which they obviously won that game also. And those five guys worked well together. They had great chemistry, as you can see, with four of them probably in the NFL right now. And potentially the best one is the center, from what I hear. Okay, and I'm up next with uh, Ben Powers' game against West Virginia. So most will remember it as the Friday night thriller from November 23rd. Um, Oklahoma, or Oklahoma ended up winning 59-56. It was a crazy good game. I think that's why I paid so much attention in my rewatch. So 
what I did is I used his YouTube video, which is something I'm trying to get away from. Um, I need to switch to all 22, um, but this is what we're going to work with for now. So I'm actually going to run through some of the clips. So if you go to the YouTube video, Oklahoma Offensive Line versus West Virginia 2018 in brackets, you can kind of follow along with some of the clips I'm going to highlight. So first I'm going to start out with uh, clip 127. Um, I know Michael's going to speak to this point because I was actually responding to something he said on Twitter about his, uh, his IQ and pass pro. So he reads the backside, uh, the backside linebacker coming in and rather than just kind of letting him, letting him go by, he turns and hits him on the backside and it looks more like a clothesline. Um, so it was good to see that type of IQ. And also I think it's the linebacker as he was blitzing, got a little high and with Ben Powers, if he gets his hands on you, he's got such a powerful drive that he's going to literally send you flying. So that was good to see from him. But it's that IQ factor that I want to keep seeing out of him. I think with his lack of lateral mobility, that's what's really going to help him in the next level. Um, fast forward to 439, you're going to see his power on the goal line. I mean, he literally drives the D lineman right about three yards in, into the end or into the end zone. Um, 512 shows some of uh, some of his abilities to get into level two. So this is one I really want to highlight. So one thing you're going to see from some of these big, powerful offensive linemen is when they get on a DB, they kind of look to just crush them. And it's that uh, it's that mentality you get coming from high school when you're so much bigger than some of the guys. But what he does here is rather than just go at the guy because he kind of catches him flat-footed he actually kind of breaks down and stops and just kind of seals the block and holds it. So, I mean, some want to see that impact block and the highlight and all that crap. But what I like to see from Ben Powers is just a good, smart block because you're not going to be able to drive guys like that at the next level. So just play smart, make the block. That's all that matters. Um, fast forward to 622. Um, this is where I think a play like this is where he's going to get some of his bad reputation for his athleticism. So what he does here is he makes his initial block. He's playing against the three-man line. And then rather than um, – sorry, let me explain better. So three-man line, you got a one-tech lined up on the center, linebackers and a safety creeping up. So what he does is he engages in the double team on the one-tech rather than looking to climb into level two. So what he should be doing in this type of play is kind of using his right hand in this case to kind of check the – check the shoulder of the of the nose tackle, let the center overtake, and then get right into level two. But he doesn't have the athleticism to get up there, so the guy that he should have had ends up making the play. So I'd like to see him do a little bit better job of that. Um, you know, Just use that hand, let the center overtake, and then get right into level two and stay low. Um, he does do a really good job of, uh, of squaring up and taking good angles rather than... Uh, Rather than trying to get to the guy, he kind of reads where the ball's going versus where the defender is, and that's how he angles into the play. So again, um, that's evident at 7:15. Um, some of the other ones I want to highlight: 8:12. Uh, so 8:12 is one that we're gonna. It's applicable to the Ravens because it's on a power. We're gonna see a lot of those if he's playing left guard. Um, running a power right, coming in behind Yondon, Orlando Brown. So what he does here is he makes a really tight cut around the center, just like he should, but what he doesn't do is he doesn't roll his hips back to engage. So 
this is one thing I'm going to highlight later, but this is the perfect play of what I'm talking about. He really needs to drop those hips, maintain his base, because once he gets playing too high, it's going to really screw him because you'll see guys at the college level controlling his upper body. And uh, he is strong enough to kind of fend them off and still get through the block okay. But again, at the next level, you can't play high like that. He's going he's gonna to have a lot of losses. Um, 905, this is a good one that, uh, that Ivan touched on. So they run a lot of these weird play actions where they kind of motion the offensive tackle um, as if he's pulling on a run. Um, and what they asked him to do was a reach block on the uh, on the defensive end. So from the left guard position, I mean, that's that's a pretty far reach block and pass, bro. His footwork on this is absolutely phenomenal. He takes a great angle. So, again, that's 9.05. I recommend everyone go and watch that because, again, as we're looking at this issue of his athleticism, I think, uh, I think we need to kind of look at some of the pros and the cons because I think he's getting labeled with this bad athleticism and it's a little unfairly. So those are just some of the ones I wanted to highlight. All right. Well, I guess I'll um, I'll wrap up the game reports with the uh, the Orange Bowl, uh, the BCS semifinal. Um, most people will probably remember it as the game, you know, first quarter, second quarter, halftime. You're thinking you could switch the channel or go do something else. But if you hung in there for the second half, Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma actually clawed their way back in this thing and made it a game. Maybe. Um, yeah, yeah, they did. Um, so the thing that kind of stood out for me, uh, and I, I took kind of a similar approach to uh, to Coach Evans, kind of just looking at a couple of different things. Obviously, you got to see Powers take a lot of pass sets in this game because oh, you fell behind early. I think it was twenty eight to seven, maybe at, at halftime or something, right around there. Um, so you got to see him in pass pro quite a bit. Uh, something I think we've all kind of touched on um, that stood out uh, for me in this game. First thing was just. Um, sort of his mental processing, right, and how he recognizes things. He does a really good job uh, recognizing rush games, recognizing, you know, delayed blitzes, sort of second-level blitzes. Um, I like the way he communicates it. Obviously, you know, we don't have access to the on-field mics or, you know, we're not in their meeting rooms to know how they do things. But you can see him pre-snap, just kind of signaling, calling things out, working with his center, working with his left tackle uh, to make sure everybody's kind of on the same page with what they're seeing. Um coach really well I think you can see that kind of show up in how he handles things so like when you see like a TE sort of twist the tackle end twist he doesn't chase that guy right he just stays square and just snaps that guy off right and then kind of drops his post leg back so he can be in position to to take that looper coming around and that's that's actually really cool to see for uh, I mean obviously these guys are playing D1 college ball so they coach well but still uh, to see him kind of execute that technique um, is something you see in the NFL quite a bit so that was good Um, I think he works really well uh, with his line mates. Uh, there was a couple of plays I could point to, but there's one that comes to mind right away where um, uh, Cole mentioned this too. They run a lot of these throwbacks. So they'll run like these play action boot passes uh, where they'll fake it one way. Kyler will boot out the other way um, and they will let the H back or tight end sort of leak out the backside right. sort of into the left flat and they'll toss it back to him. And so uh, there's one play where they had Quinn and Williams lined up sort of in a shade and so they're running that play, and Quinnen, I mean, look, this I'm not going to sugarcoat this. I mean, he 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 put some work on power sometimes, but you know, he's probably the best guy in the draft. So, you know, you gotta you gotta factor that in too. And so he, you know, is able to sort of get upfield so quickly. He's just so darn explosive. And he splits that A gap between the center and between powers. And so 
Power sees the center is losing him inside. He's, he sees he's like, all right, this guy, he might get in here and blow this thing up. And so he comes off of his guy just enough to sort of come over and kind of help out a little bit because he knows that they're leaving that backside DN unblocked by design on that play. So he knows his left tackle can kind of cover him if he mm-hmm. comes out. He's like, all right, I don't, you know, whether he gets there or not, who knows? But he knows that he's got help, right? So that he can make that adjustment mid play, which which I really kind of like to see. And obviously, you know, we we talked about them having uh, a freshman center who, you know, technically by this stage in in the season is not not necessarily a freshman anymore. I mean, he's he's played some games, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I just like seeing that awareness mid play. So it's not just the pre snap stuff. It's not just um, recognizing things and ID and things. It was also in the play, sort of being aware of what's going on and who needs help and how you can help. And Coach Ed, Coach Evans mentioned that about how they work really well together uh, as a unit. And they're just some of the sort of scouting technical things that I saw. I think he does a good job with his hands in terms of timing and placement. You see him with that inside hand. Some people call it a drag hand. Uh, he'll always get that in. Well, not always, but pretty consistently gets that under that underneath armpit or will hold it back sometimes, right, when he knows he may need it uh, if a guy's trying to cross his face or something like that. So I do like that, how he kind of uh, shows some variety with with the timing of it there. And then uh, grip strength. I think he does a pretty good job at the college level when he gets that hand on you that uh, it's going to be hard for you to get off. Uh, so I like to see that, uh, especially when guys, you know, like I said, Quentin got him a couple times where he got on him and then was kind of able to work his hands and, and break his grip. But then, you know, Powers gave him a fight. I mean, it turned into a street fight. And uh, Quinnen, you know, won his fair share, but Powers did a good job, too. There was one play late. I'll wrap up with this one. Um, late. Actually, no. Was it late? Yeah, it was late in the first quarter. And they were down on the goal line. This is Wildcat thing that they run. Uh, OU this time, I think Trey Sermon was taking the snap at, at quarterback, and they'll motion Kyler out. And um, so he has to block Quinnen one-on-one. Because it's either the Sam or the Will is blitzing. He, he, you know, he comes right at the center. So the center's got to pick him up. Um, so Powers is one-on-one with Quinnen. And then Matt Wilson, Mike linebacker, delayed blitz, right, comes. And so he's engaged with Quinnen. He gets one hand on Mac just enough to kind of hold him up and stop him from getting in the backfield. Because it's a little bit of, it has a little bit of a counteraction to it. Like, uh, I think they pull their, their backside H-back tight end, whatever, to the front side. So... Uh, Sermon takes the snap and he kind of has to hesitate for a minute and let that block set up. And so with Matt coming in, you know, if, if Powers doesn't get just that one arm on him to hold him up, as Sermon's trying to hesitate and let that block set, you know, he's going to have a do right in his face. Right. But Powers was able to do just enough of that, and then Sermon's able to run it in. And I think that made it like 21-7 at that point or something like that. So just another good uh, example of recognition, sort of mid-play, uh, you know, being able to see what's going on and then um, adjust and do something about it. So um, I'll wrap up with that. I, I, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll just throw this in real quick because I know we're going to dig into it deeper here. I thought he had solid mobility. I mean, we're not talking like Jason Kelsey or anything like that. You know, he's not a guy moving around like that. But I thought his mobility was pretty solid. I think sometimes where you see him get um, a little exposed, again, as you're talking about a guy who's explosive like Quinnen, sometimes you'll see a little bit of hands before feet. With power, you know, he'll, he'll sort of get his hands going before he moves his feet and he's not in position to actually get in front of that guy and cover him up. And then if that guy gets on your edge, especially a guy like Quinn, you're not you're not stopping him with just your upper body. That's that's just not going to work. So I you see that a little bit. And so sometimes that could maybe look like he's not as athletic. Um, 
but it, it, I just don't know. I, I don't see him being unathletic. Like, I just, I just don't see him that way. I think he moves well for a guy his size. And they actually, you know, they, they move him a lot. I mean, we talked right. about how much they run counter. We talked about what they do in some of their play action stuff. And these are not just like one gap pulls. I mean, this, right. this guy is moving all across the line. So I don't see a guy who's unathletic. Um, just my two cents. All right. All right. Outstanding reports, guys. And, and I hope people will appreciate all the differences in the way we view uh, the film here. Obviously, we each have our different style of, of looking at things. But we're going to talk about some individual uh, considerations now. And what I asked is, is for people to come up with two or three points that they felt were important from the games they saw and that they wanted to expand upon. So I'm just going to start with one is I think his pass blocking anchor is really outstanding. You don't always see this now, obviously at a, it, with a college lineman at top program facing very average talent, you'd certainly expect dominance and, and powers is one of those, but we're also talking about some of these games were among the most difficult opponents they face. Certainly Texas, definitely Alabama, uh, you know, TCU at WVU, I'm not sure who they had on the inside facing him a lot of the time, but I was very impressed with his anchor. Uh, he doesn't give ground very often to maintain a block. Now, you mentioned the street fight, Michael, in, in your piece. The, I didn't see him having to resort to too much of that against Texas. Um, so that they, he's able to lean effectively on his guy. The, the, the analogy I want to make is this. If you go to a, a point in a game of pinball where you have multi-ball, okay, so you have three balls in play, you see a bad pinball player playing, they, they're just playing completely defensively to keep those three balls in play. You see a good play, player, but they're completely in control. They've got one ball stuck on a flipper, and they're, and they're making their shots normally. And that's how I kind of see Power's game is that, you know, when he's got on his game and he's not having to fight that guy's heart, he leans on his opponent, and he really makes him tire. And that's something I, I'm really going to love at the NFL level because pass blocking at the NFL level on the defensive side is extraordinarily tiring. And I think that he's the kind of lineman that makes people rotate more often. Yeah, the I, I, one thing I'll chime in on that one. Um, I, I well, we'll see. We'll see. What I like about it is he definitely does show that good anchor, right? You see, sort of that reverse C in his back. You know, he. The, why I hesitated up front is because one thing that I really kind of was struggling with was seeing him sort of sink his hips, right? And Cole and I have talked about that. Um, it's not just in run blocking. It's also in pass blocking. He does play a little bit high. And that, that's not uncommon for guys at the college level. I mean, you 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 probably would hear that you know, all across the NFL this past weekend in those rookie mini camps about guys needing to get their pads down and watch their pad level. I think that's a pretty common thing. But Cole and I talked about it, and I, I was wondering, is that a – you know, by is that a physiological sort of thing? Is he not flexible enough to sink his hips and get low like that? Or, you know, is that something that he just needs to work on? Because I did see him do it at times. And I, I got fortunate. I actually um, was able to get my hands on some all 22 uh, of a pretty much uh, four or five game from this past season. And so from that angle, I was actually able to see it. And I was like, all right, he can bend. He can get low. He actually can sink his hips a little bit. So it made me feel a little bit better. But to your point, um, I think he generally plays with a pretty good base. Um, he's strong enough against college players in general where you can see him sort of latch on. And even though he plays a little high, he has enough strength and enough of an anchor and plays with enough of a good base where he can sort of stun those guys and kind of stop them in place. Uh, every now and then you even see him torque a guy a little bit, right? He'll kind of 
twist him uh, with some of that upper body strength that he has just to kind of pry things open a little bit. Um, so it's encouraging. It's encouraging that he shows that uh, already because sometimes pass pro, uh, we've seen it in, in the past couple of years with offensive linemen who are drafted really high, who, you know, really kind of struggle with that part of their game when they first come into the league uh, because they're maybe in a, a run heavy scheme or, you know, just didn't have to to pass block as much or, or in a different way because, you know, they're spread teams. And so, you know, they're maybe not coming out of a three point stands like you're going to come out in the NFL. So you'll see some of that. So it's good to see, um, you know, that he's, he's got that under his belt right now, but um, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll reserve some, some of the other comments until later. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think Michael, you hit on it, uh, on it earlier. He, uh, he definitely does come out uh, in some snaps with his, his hands over his feet and, uh, that's where I've kind of come up with. I, I just think he's used to playing high. Um, I think you see it with a lot of these power guys. Like I said earlier, they're so used to dominating just by being so much bigger and stronger than everybody. And uh, and coach, I'm sure you can speak to this as well. Like uh, it, it's hard to teach them to use that flex. I always I had a lot of kids last year that that would stand up, and I used to always say base balance power. I used to say it over and over and over and over again. As soon as you lose that base, as soon as you lift your chest up, you're losing that base, and that's how you get controlled. Um, Michael, that that tweet you had that uh, that I pointed out uh, the timestamp. It was a it was a it was a pass snap that he actually won the block, but he's playing so darn high. But he's just controlling him with his hands because he's so much stronger than the defensive lineman. So. Um, like in my uh, areas where I think he needs to improve in, in my tweets, I, I said, you know, we've got to get this guy in some yoga classes, you know, hook, hook him up with, uh, you know, a 50 year old soccer mom, get him going to Saturday morning <laughs> yoga. Um, I, I do think uh, whether it's a physiolo- physiology problem or, you know, laziness, I'm not sure. I just think that uh, I think you do see a lack of a lack of uh, flexibility in his game. It's really noticeable on his uh, on his pulls, and I think that's where some of this athleticism um, issues that people are raising are coming from. Because I agree, I don't really see him as um, like I mean, he's not going to light up the combine, but I don't really care how fast an offensive lineman can run a forty-yard dash. That's just me. Um, I, I do see it as uh, lack of lack of flexibility in his hips and in his ankles. Um, when he comes around the corner on pulls, you don't see him roll his hips back to engage. He kind of stays high, and uh, he kind of gets uh, he kind of gets thrown at the top of his body. But again, he has his hands on the guy with that grip strength and kind of just maintains the block. Yeah. So, coach, I, I wanted to ask you, kind of piggybacking on on some of the stuff that Cole just mentioned. Um, and you talk about this a little bit in your game. How do you how do you look at that when you see powers? How do you how do you sort of balance that? Is it athleticism? Is it you know obviously maybe he's a little bit better in short areas, and you see him kind of display that athleticism a little bit more in short areas versus you know when he's got to really work downfield. So how do, how do you balance what you're seeing uh, with him in that in that regard? Okay, to kind of hit off both of you guys' points, he uh, because their O line is so good and they're way above. They're a top-level team playing in the Big 12, so their their talent is way better than most of the Big 12. They have SEC talent on the front line playing against Big 12 defenses, so they <laughs> still can kind of play high and and just overpower guys, so they get away with it, which is what, what he was saying. But um, as far as his athleticism, and I, I don't think a, a, a guard needs to be like 
overly super athletic. The only time I saw him in bad positions to be look unathletic was in open field on like tunnel screens and things like that. But as far as the pulling, and it's funny, we all, all of us saw the same type play, but he's at left guard and ends up blocking the defensive end on some kind of uh, play action. All three of us saw that and, and talked about it for a minute. Like you said earlier, no unathletic 313 pound, six, four guy <laughs> can make those blocks. You have to be athletic to go two or more gaps over to, you know, and still get the job done. Cause he's doing that. And he's not even turning parallel. He has his shoulder square to the line of scrimmage to pick up anything that happens to get through. So on his way to the C gap or to block the defensive end, if any trash gets through, he's his shoulders are square enough to finish the block or help out. So any guy that's unathletic is well to me that dispels the miss of unathletic. You know he can't get in space and cross over nobody and go block a corner on a tunnel screen. That you know that, your job is just to run through them. So if you see that and say he's athletic, sure. But as far as what he's actually do in inside and outside zone uh, schemes, he's super athletic to me. I would love to have him on my team any day. To- totally agree with that, Ivan. I I, I just I, I don't understand the knocks uh, athletically. We saw a lot of that on Orlando Brown last year, that they talked about how unathletic he was. But he was able to actually move fairly effectively in space. He's not Ronnie Stanley, but he can move and he can, he can move the uh, half level up to seal that scraping linebacker along the line of scrimmage. He can yes. do that very effectively. And he can line somebody up in space. I mean, he's a big guy, obviously, so right. you'd hope he would. But in powers, I'm seeing a lot of that. I saw him make four to four blocks in level two. He had a problem, you know, getting tripped up on a pole. I mentioned earlier, I don't need to go over that again. But I, I didn't, I saw him line up people and I saw him, I thought, being pretty good about waiting to make that block and not lunging and being awkward the way yes. I often see a guard in space, especially ahead of a, a screen pass or whatever. Yes. I, I had one play um, uh, against TCU where he pulled and um, the guy he had to kick out was a, a linebacker or a strong safety. He squared that guy pretty good and knocked the crap out of him. Didn't run through him and to the point where he could have missed. He, like you said earlier, he squared him up. He slowed down just enough to make sure he didn't miss him and kept the kept the block. And to me, that that's athleticism at his finest because that uh, strong safety type guy could easily hit him with a one-two and go about his business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I definitely don't knock him for that athleticism. Again, I think it's this tendency of us to look at combine numbers and measurables and we interpret them wrong um even even something like this is off topic but even something like the bench press like there 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 is value in it of course but i mean if you're going to tell me that an offensive lineman is good because he did 33 bench reps well that just doesn't really tell me anything like you, it, it's kind of something you use to describe something or build on something as kind of an associated point it's mm-hmm. not the main point um, so that's something I've seen a lot with him. Um, one of my favorite follows on Twitter is uh, Scott Peters, 53, um, retired offensive lineman. He has so many great videos about uh, about playing through the lower body and fighting through the hips. Um, I recommend everyone to give him a follow because he's got some uh, great videos with tip of the spear football. Um, but but that's one guy that I'd love to just pair back pair uh, powers up with him for the summer because um i really think he needs to work on his flexibility he needs to work on uh driving through his lower body when he comes around the corner on pulls so what you kind of want to see is you're going to naturally stand up a little bit on these pulls because you got to get from point a to point b 
But what I always tell my guys is once they kind of turn that corner, that's when you want to see those hips roll back. So that's something that I say a lot when I'm watching this film is roll those hips, roll those hips, roll those hips. So what that means is that once you come around the corner and you see your guy, which, by the way, he does a fantastic job of finding his guy. And if he doesn't find the guy that he's supposed to find, he looks for someone rather than just kind of giving up on the play. So if he starts coming around that corner, rolling those hips, and then using the rest of his upper body technique, which is fantastic, I think he's going to have no problems. Like uh, That's one thing I'm going to touch on later, but uh, just their scheme is great to to be transitioning to the Ravens scheme. Like It it really is a good fit because we're going to see a lot of pulls from left guard, but uh, I think he's going to have issues. I've actually speculated he might be more of a right guard. I, I'm not sure yet. I, I need to see him a little bit more, and uh, it, it'll be interesting in preseason to see some of those left guard snaps. But uh, um, I, I think that's a possibility. If he can't kind of get the hip roll down, then you know maybe that's the plan for Powers as he becomes the uh, kind of the the plan B to Yonda once once he retires. But uh, you know that's obviously future speculation. We don't have enough information at the next level to make that determination. But something to think about. Yeah, I'd, I'd go. I'd, I'd kind of follow on what you said too. But you and Coach Evans both hit on it. Kim did too, really. Just how well he finds guys when he pulls, right? Those second level guys. Um, and I'm only saying this by way of comparison. I'm not trying to knock this guy at all. But uh, I can remember several plays last year, early on, before he started, you know, dealing with some injuries. Watching Alex Lewis really struggle, like trying to to, to find guys and stay on guys when he was pulling or sort of working up to the next level, um, you know, almost looking lost at times, you know, sort of looking around like, well, was that the guy I'm supposed to have or, you know, what, what was going on? And you didn't see Bozeman do that a lot. That's what really impressed me with Bozeman coming in as a rookie. He really did a good job of that too, sort of knowing who uh, to block. And even if um, maybe that guy wasn't quite where he thought he was going to be, he'd find somebody, right. He wasn't just like looking around and I see that, kind of similar thing uh, when I look at Powers, right? He's somebody who obviously, I think they said going into that Alabama game, he had like 35 starts. I mean, all of those guys, it was like 35 starts, 47 starts, 30 plus mm-hmm. starts. So obviously those guys have a really good understanding of their scheme. And I think what they do well there, particularly in their run game, is they don't run a ton of concepts. Nope. I think from from what I can remember, it's like counter, inside zone, mid zone, they run draw, they might do some outside zone at time, but uh, it really allows them to teach, you know, sort of the core things and they just tweak it. Um, I remember, the, the, yeah, there's, there's a there's a guy out there named Noah Riley who uh, who's a coach, high school coach, too, who did a breakdown of their offense from 2018. And uh, I bought his book. That's actually the guy that I got the clips from. Uh, and he said, you know, same thing. I sort of only identified four or five sort of core run concepts, but they might have 90 plus tags for how they run them and the motions mm-hmm. and, you know, how they, how they align them. And so you can, you know, sort of have that same base teaching, right. On the concept, you don't have to teach it so many, you don't have to teach it 90 different ways because right. these are just tags, right? So your steps are all the same, who you're blocking is the same. And I think that allows them to be really effective and, and to be fast, you know, to really play fast mm-hmm. and, and, and to know what they're doing. Right. The thing um, about that with, with those guys having as, as few concepts as they have, the only guys are really learning new stuff are the skill guys. Your old line are getting constantly the same reps, and like you said, blocking the same guys, having the same reads, and the skill guys just got to add the window dressing to it. Mm-hmm. But I want to touch on um, Powers and the way he, he communicates with um, 
the other O lineman. And they have this thing that I saw in the uh, TCU game, and I don't know if you guys saw it, where they would like uh, pat their their butt cheeks, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, pre-snap. I don't know if that's signaling when to snap it or whatnot. But whatever that line of communication is, it it, it was very prominent because you didn't see a lot of um, offensive holdings or penalties or any kind of communication penalties with those guys. And they also did a good job of pointing out their their assignments when the D line would shift, or you would have a guy walk down. You could see them, you know, communicating and checking their protection or checking the the, the double teams or whatnot. And those those guys did a good job of of communicating with that. And I think from the looks of it, from the TCU game, Powers was the one that that led that because they had a freshman center. So I'm I'm thinking they entrusted Powers with being able to make the line calls because to me it looked like he always initiated. Makes complete sense. Yeah, I know that's a big thing um, that we talked about uh, last year, Ken, and you had you had Matt Skurl on, uh, who who talked about the importance of communication. Um, obviously, you know the center typically is going to be the guy who's doing most of the communication, but when you do have younger guys in like that, sometimes it'll be a guard, right? We saw that. Uh, I think Yonda's done that a bunch of times throughout his career, and, and probably still does it. I mean, it, yeah. it definitely not probably definitely still does it because I, I remember tweeting out some stuff uh, over the off season. Um, from like the Saints game, it, for whatever reason, the the on-field audio for the Fox games is much clearer than it is for like the CBS games or whatever. So you can hear like all of the line calls, like all of the cadence. You can hear all the right, you know, all the 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 lucky, you know, uh, Ronda, you know, all their left right calls. You can hear all of that stuff. You can hear dummy calls, and you could hear in a game where, that game where Bozeman uh, came in, where it was a dummy call. Right. And you could hear Bozeman say, is that legit? And Yonda's like, no, 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 no. Because <laughs> you could hear they gave the, they gave the color that, you know, they initiated it with the color. They gave yellow, yellow. And it was a dummy call. And, you know, Bozeman is like trying to figure out, like, was this legit or whatever? I was like, no, 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 this is not legit. So it's really uh, a good thing to have a young guy um, coming in like Powers who has that experience. Right. Who kind of played that role on his line in college. And obviously he's going to be learning a lot of new things coming in. But, um, and I, Cole just mentioned he was going to talk about this. It might not be as maybe as many new things as we think because they they do a lot of similar. The Ravens run a lot of similar concepts uh, in terms of their run game, in terms of, especially with counter. Obviously, Roman's been running counter forever, going back to when he was at Stanford with Jim. Mm-hmm. Um, and they may run it a little bit differently, but they run a lot of the same schemes. And we saw a ton of those even with Lamar when he came in last year. We probably saw even more of those schemes with some of the quarterback run and quarterback power and counter bash and all of this stuff that they did. You, you mentioned just, I'll, I'll jump in here for a second that we had Skura on the show last year. I, I know the offensive linemen tend to listen to either this podcast or the, or read the articles sometimes on the offensive line scoring, see, you know, how other people think they're doing. Ben, if you're out there, we'd love to have you on the show. Talk about offensive line play in general, your experiences in Oklahoma, whatever you want to talk about, about, Breaking a man's will to live and whatnot. However, you want to discuss it. Seriously, we'd we'd love to have you. That's a and, great uh, quote. I, I encourage people to go back to the Matt Skura episode from last year because there is so much inside football in that one episode. It's really worth having to talk to about how how Yanda would would signal him to go to level two and just all kinds of very interesting stuff. So uh, I'll, I'll go there. And I apologize. I know Ivan, you want to make a, a point here. Oh yeah, just I want to talk about his effort as far as finishing blocks, and I mentioned it earlier in, in my in my game breakdown. I, I enjoyed seeing him 
finish guys. And, you know, when he he dominate guys or if guys were smaller, he'd obviously uh, pancake them. And it wasn't just a pancake where we're going to fall to the ground. It's a pancake where I'm going to make sure all this weight lands on you continuously all the time. Especially if you're a smaller guy like the guy I talked about earlier, him blocking the, the strong safety type guy. He he flattened that guy pretty good like later on in the game. And he don't just, you know, block him and then just kind of ease him down. He lays on him. And then the funny thing is, after a while in the TCU game, he laid the guy out, then picked him up. <laughs> Embarrassing to <laughs> death. Pretty bad. And then there another were- thing, like on the, the, the screen, the screen plays and, and the long runs, or maybe you know, if you went running backs or whatever fighting for yardage and the defense tend to pile up on them. He's the first guy down to go and try to knock some of those guys off of, off of the running back or the receiver or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that he gets downfield and, and tries to basically finish the plays. I love his effort on that. People go to always recent players to, to get the most significant comparison. I think that Ryan that Ryan Jensen's play in his last year in Baltimore really had a lot of that nasty element to it. We certainly saw him protect Joe Flacco after the fact when he got hit again the Miami game. If you recall, it, he, he destroyed the inside linebacker. I think it was Kiko Alonso. Uh, anyway, uh, three different times in the Texas game, he had a player display his displeasure after the after the play for him blocking to the echo of the whistle. I love to see that because that angry player is a tired player. So so mm-hmm. Powers can talk about breaking his will that it's that's just talk. But his physical style really has game value in terms of getting those oppo- opposing players tired. And that comes comes into play late in the game. It comes into play a lot when a guy has to play six or seven consecutive snaps. It comes. It's very important if you're going to play no huddle against that team and and make them tired. Anyway, great to see and and good to see him get a little nasty. Hopefully, he won't get penalized for it. I think in the long run, he should actually draw more retaliatory flags uh, by doing that than he'll actually get flags himself. Yep. I believe Ryan Jensen drew drew some in his in his year starting here as center too. Like he was making guys mad. Yeah. There was that play with uh, 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 Khalil Mack on the. You can hear him soundbited on uh, on NFL sounds. It's that's a pretty golden one. Um, one point I wanted to hit on again is just going back to Oklahoma's scheme. Um, I do this sometimes when I watch college games. Is I'll kind of watch a play four or five times and try and just draw it up to kind of see what the concept was. And uh, and Michael's absolutely right. Like they, they really don't run in terms of the offensive line run blocking scheme. Like they don't run a whole lot of variations. You see the skilled players doing a whole lot of different things, but not necessarily the actual run blocking. Um, and it's kind of funny. There was a there was a, a, a set of plays in the West Virginia game and they went inside zone left, inside zone right, power left or sorry, power right, and then a play action. And I just kept thinking, is this Greg Roman's playbook? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I know that's one of Greg Roman's big calling cards is the the way he'll mix inside zone with uh, with powers and counters and, and all that misdirection stuff. But uh, I, I think the only thing you'll see different is Oklahoma ran a bit more outside zone. Um, you might not see that as much from the Ravens based on what we saw last year. Um, but overall, I think uh, it's also funny going from a Lincoln Riley offense as a guard and then being called not athletic. It's kind of <laughs> kind of funny given what he's asked to do over and over again. Um, I, I would just ask uh, if if anyone listening does have these athleticism concerns. If you wanna if you wanna link me some of the clips, um, maybe you're seeing something I'm not. I'd really like to see them. Me too. 
I can see people doing that with some of the stuff from the Alabama game with Quinn and Williams. But again, I mean, we're, we're talking, yeah, we, we're talking about uh, a stud, a straight up stud. <laughs> and so, and you know, uh, that's, I, I will add, Drew Samia does have a very fast first step. So, I mean, maybe if you're watching Powers beside Drew, you're going to see him coming out of a stance slower. But I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean Powers is slow. It just means he's not as quick. Yeah. And some of the stuff that I think you'll see carry over from um, their offense with Kyler to uh, what the Ravens do with Lamar, and you see it, you saw it some last year. Um, he, in terms of what they can do in the run game, he really can help the O line in some cases because there's so many eyes on Lamar, right? When they're doing so much of that backfield action, so much of that mess act, uh, mesh action. I'm not even talking about zone read, just just the ball handling stuff that they do. Um, you know, it really allows guys to get better angles, to get to their spots quicker. Uh, the D linemen have to hesitate a little bit. Um, you know, well, I mean, I guess you could get into that wild card game against the Chargers. They weren't hesitating much, but for, for most of the for most of the season, uh, it really did kind of cause guys to kind of hesitate. And they got to really read, you know, before they take that step up field. And um, you could see it particularly with like Skura a bunch of times where he because he's he's a fairly athletic guy, in my opinion. So he was able to really get position on guys um, because, you know, if it was a one technique or shade on his side, they were hesitating. Right? They weren't just jetting up the field. They were kind of looking, you know, they're looking and they're reading. They're trying to see what's going on in the backfield. And by the time they recognize what's going on and who's got the ball, he's already got them walled off inside. You know, so I think, you know, Lamar, you know, adds a lot of things in terms of what you can do in the run game whenever you have to account for the quarterback as a true run th- uh, a true run threat. And I think it can actually help the O-line uh, in, in some cases uh, if you really, you know, think that maybe there are some athleticism questions. Um, you know, he can kind of help in that area and on, on some plays. Let me piggyback on that for a second because I think the importance of the double teams inside on the defensive tackle, nose tackle, uh, it can't be overstated in the in the Ravens' current scheme. They have the speed to really freeze those edge players. So getting that getting that double team set up, and they often have at the second half of the season, we're setting up two of those on the inside is really critical. And how does this manifest itself? Is the next question. Well, PFF published a, a graphic recently that showed outstanding yards after contact up the middle for Gus Edwards, and I think we'd all agree. Gus Edwards is a big back, but a fairly average big back if you want to really take the top end. He's not a great big back. He's just right. he's just an average average big guy. He and did his job. He, he, he did. He did his job. And and what the what the and Ravens' right. offensive line and their scheme did is they got him first contact opportunities in level two. And then you're meeting a linebacker, a smaller guy, or you're meeting a safety sometimes. Uh, there may even be times where you're meeting the slot corner, and that guy is just not as likely to take you down with first contact. And when he does, he's still leaning forward through that. He's not getting stood up. So I, I think that's one of the things that powers with the way he worked with double teams and obviously a very well-schooled in that Oklahoma offense. We've all hit on it. Um, really stands to help in this offense. And I think he probably can release into level two. You mentioned the thing about Skura holding those blocks at the first level. I thought was one of the really impressive things about the way Matt played last year. Footwork and that. You know, he's not a power guy, but but that that's something he does well is hold the back end of a double team. I want to... Uh... Piggyback off that as far as and what the way I teach double team to my younger guys is you have to get hip to hip with the guy you're double teaming with because any space that you give the D lineman, he's going to get sideways, turn, grab grass and split you. 
So he does a good job of getting hip to hip with the guy and then duck walking or whatever the terminology is different people use in sync with that same guy. Because anytime they get off or unaligned, or if we're stepping with different uh different with a different foot, that defensive that defensive guy is gonna have leverage and, and dip through that. But he does a good job of getting hip to hip and also using his his leverage on his own guy to push him off to know when to go to the next level. And if, if you know, to, to explain it, if I'm double teaming with a guy and I know it's my job to take him over, I'm going to work to his side of the body. Saying we're going right, I'm going to work to his right side of his body, forcing my guy off to go to second level. And he does a good job of working with his left guard, I'm sorry, his center or his tackle on double teams to get out there. Because first of all, he doesn't give them space to split it. And then secondly, he does a good job of working to the, the play side to allow the guy to climb to the next level. Yeah, I think that speaks a lot to his IQ too. I mean, he he knows uh, he knows what he's doing, but also what the guy beside him is doing, and it, it's also a communication thing. We've touched on both of these points. Uh, like you have to talk to your guy, whatever the terminology is. My mine was always whoever was going to take the guy over. It was mine, 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 mine. That means mm-hmm. you're peeling. So what I'd like to see from him, just to get a little bit critical for a second, is once he peels off those blocks again, once he starts working upfield into level two roll those hips back. I'm mm-hmm. going to keep saying that until I see him start doing it consistently. <laughs> the, um, and one, the last point that I, that I had about um, Powers is when I watched the TCU game, unless I saw some things that were kind of, you know, oblivious to me, I only saw one, maybe two busts in the game. And the one bust I saw was he had a, he had a double team. No, it was a stunt. And he committed too much to the guy going away from him where the, 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 the rapper guy kind of got in the gap and he didn't get a sack, but he got, you know, murder off his spot. And other than that, I didn't see any glaring mistake, you know, from Powell. So to me, that his knowledge of the playbook, his knowledge of the game plan was outstanding. Because, like I said earlier, I think he was making all the line calls. And for him to do that and not really have any bust, uh, that's, that's amazing to me. And I hope he can get in there and learn Baltimore's um, game plan like that also, which I'm hoping it's sim- – well, I think it's similar to what they were running anyway. All right. Outstanding points, guys. Just fantastic stuff listening to this. I hope our, our listeners appreciate all of the, the time you've put into this clearly. Uh, we've talked mostly about the good things. Obviously, Cole's talked a little bit about his hips and what he doesn't like. But let's talk a, a biggest concern for each of you on how, on powers moving forward to the NFL level. Start with you, Michael. Yeah, I, it's it's probably going to spill over to to some of the other two guys, but uh, we talked about it. For me, it's it's pad level, and really, I I'd probably say hip level. I like to focus more on hips. You know, low hips win. Um, I think uh, Kansas City's O line coach Andy Heck, he he uh, he did a, a cool clinic video about that, uh, and he said, you know, everybody talks about low pad, low pad, low man, low man. He's like, it's really low hips, right? The guy with the lower hips is the guy really who is in a better leverage position and is able to sort of control the block. So. Um, that'd be my biggest concern is, is, is that a physiological limitation and there's only so low he's going to be able to get just because of his body and, and, and sort of his hips, you know, if he has some tightness or stiffness there or, you know, like Cole mentioned, can we get him in some yoga? Can we get him in some Pilates? Uh, <laughs> you know, is it, is it just, is it just a, a, a conscientious thing where he's physically able to do it? But it just has to be wrapped and wrapped and wrapped and wrapped because, like Coach Evans said, he didn't really have to do it to still execute his blocks against the guys that they were playing against in the Big 12. So it may not be a can't-do kind of thing. It may just be, hey, you've got to really get in the habit of you have to do this on every rep at the NFL. Mm-hmm. 
My biggest concern for um, him is simply what will he do against bull rushes? Will he, uh, can he, ink, no, I'm sorry, not, not bull rushes, with the speed guys, the speed guys. And, I, and the reason I say that because of how we struggled against the Chargers in that playoff game, but they would put an extra rusher in and slide Bosa or the other guy to our left guard, and which was our, our obvious um, worst weakness. position, yeah. weakness. And what they did to the left guard position, can he handle those guys that are normally edge guys, that they move in to, to be interior guys? Which, you know, Baltimore, we did some of the same things. But can, can he handle those guys, you know, when pressure situations pump up? That's my, my biggest concern because I think he can handle all the run blocking stuff. Especially, you know, as long as we don't have, he don't have to get out in space on screens or whatnot. Can he handle that, that superior pass rusher once they slide him inside? I agree. Uh, I agree with both. Uh, I won't drag this on. You guys all know what my concerns are. Uh, <laughs> but just to add one, once he gets out in space, out in level two, um, can, he, can he play low? Um, can he kind of get that, that strong base back when he's going to engage a guy? Um, I think that's going to be be huge for him fitting in this offense, like what uh, like what Ken was mentioning with the way we were using Gus, getting him out into space so quickly. Um, there's a lot of opportunities to come off those double teams and crack level two guys. So can he re-engage? Can he get low? Can he win those battles? All right. Uh, I'm going to go with one I haven't heard so far, and that is like lineman coming out of Iowa, he's coming from a program where – the offensive line is extremely well coached and everybody hit on it in their review. Everybody hit on how well, uh, you know, how far along he is. And unfortunately, I think that may mean he's closer to the ceiling for what may be his physical abilities. So, you know, we may see a guy who doesn't develop tremendously at the pro level. That may not be necessary, but we may not see it. So it's going to take a special kind of effort. Maybe it is going to take an unusual training uh, regimen, like some of you guys have mentioned in terms of yoga, Pilates, whatever flexibility training he, he could get to improve. Josh, we're going we're gonna to turn to the mailbag at this point. I know we've got a few people uh, coming off. Is, have, have we got any question from Ben Powers yet about what his uh, exercise routine should be? We do have we do have some questions coming in. Uh, ben Powers, I think we'll follow up in a few days on this because I know if there was a podcast going an hour long all talking about me, I'd give it a listen. So uh, first question up is from Jalen. Where do you rate our offensive line and can rookie guard Ben Powers move into the starters role with a strong camp? So you've kind of got into this, but how about okay. a quick wrap up? Let's rotate through and just do one person per question. We'll, we'll go quickly. But I, I think Ben Power is going to be given every opportunity just to compete for a starting position at left guard. Uh, there is one thing that's that nobody's talking about that's an advantage to him. Alex Lewis earned an escalator in his contracts. So the Ravens actually have a financial advantage to giving the job to the rookie in this particular case. And as a fourth-year player, he already starts on the bubble. Effectively, every fourth-year player is playing for their job in camp because – the the value of their four-year option has declined to zero at the end of year four. So it's already very low towards towards the beginning of year four. So anyway, we I think I look at it in the, in that respect and say, yes, he's got a good chance to, to compete for the job. And I think left guard is the obvious spot. True. All right. Um, is it way too early to try to project this offensive line? Mig wants to know. Why don't you take it, Cole? Um, project in terms of starters. Is that what the question yes. was? Or in t okay. Um, I, I mean, you you look at the PFF uh, 
the PFF numbers, and I think we ranked 10th last year in efficiency. Um, you get a little recency bias with the fan base in terms of where we rank because of how bad the um, interior line was against the Chargers. I think they're going to be be really solid. I, I mean, we have two great bookends, two guys that I think can be top 10 guys at uh, left and right tackle this year. Yonda is Yonda. He's going to be a beast. Matt Skura seems to keep improving. I think if you put Ben Powers in there with that anchor besides Skura, there's no reason to think that this isn't a top 10 unit in the NFL again this year. I think one of the questions was, are you projecting Bozeman or Skura as the starting center? Oh, I, I mean, it's it's Skura. It's Skura until he gives them a reason to lose it, or Bozeman has one heck of a camp. But based on what I saw last year, um, despite what some people want to say, I don't think Skura played bad enough to lose the job by any means. Uh, Bozeman did play really well. Uh, Michael touched on it a little bit. Like He, he played great in his limited snaps at guard. Um, so, I mean, he may challenge for the left guard spot with, uh, with Lewis and with, uh, with Powers. All right, let's close out the mailbag with Jimmy, who wants to know, uh, what was the Ravens' primary run scheme last year, and do we have the right skills at running back and offensive line that we should expect that same scheme this coming year? All right, Michael, you take that one, if you would. Yeah, I mean, I think we talked about it a little bit during this episode. Um, it's It's been Greg Roman's calling card all all throughout his career uh, as an offensive coordinator, as a, O-line co- uh, as a, as a run game coordinator. Um, going to be heavy counter, heavy power. Uh, he's going to mix in some zone concepts. He's not a heavy outside zone guy, but he'll do some inside zone, some split zone. Um, but yeah, he, he, he likes to get big guys moving. He's, he's talked about it in the run game. He's talked about it in the past game. If you want to run play action, you better pull a guard. You know, that's, that's a quote right from him. So he's a guy that believes in, uh, you know, those, those, those gap concepts, those gap blocking schemes. Uh, mixing in a little bit of zone because of what you can do with Lamar in the read game. But, uh, yeah, I, I would say that's their core stuff. All right. Make sure you get your questions in uh, using the hashtag film study mailbag. Uh, we'll bring them up in a podcast. And if we don't have a podcast upcoming soon, I know, Ken, you always jump on those questions and answer them right yeah, away as so- well. I, I do. We do. Of course, I think that that goes for everyone here is a very fast responder on Twitter. So uh, toss in all four of our handles. The next time you have an offensive line question, I bet you get a great discussion going. All right. So let's let's go over those handles one more time. Start us off, Ivan. I start off. Mine is Coach Evans nine on Twitter and uh, on YouTube. It's Sip the Tally Films. And make sure you check it out. I recently did a uh, um, my projected depth chart offensively and def- uh, defensively on Twitter. So uh, go check those out, and if you don't agree with me, hit them in the comments, and I normally get back uh, pretty pretty fast unless I'm in the middle of, of class. How about you, Cole? Cole Jackson, RSR. I'm always looking for discussion, so feel free to, to include me in anything O-line related. Uh, Mike Crawford, at Abukari, A-B-U-K-A-R-I. Like Josh said, it's spelled just like uh, it sounds. Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> Always willing to engage in the conversation. Uh, I've been called a little optimistic, maybe shooting some rainbows at my butt at times, but hey, that's how I, that's, that's how I roll. That's how I see the world. So uh, 
you know, that's what you're going to get. <laughs> pleasure, pleasure always to converse with all you guys on Twitter. I, I'm at Film Study Ravens on Twitter. Same, same applies. Love to hear the conversation. Every day is a Saturday here. I'm a retired guy now, or at least a semi-retired guy. So I love hearing your questions and getting involved. I did want to bring up one other thing. Michael and I are doing an event in Baltimore coming up on June 18th at Fazini's Taverna in uh, Timonium, the Timonium Cockeysville kind of area. And we're going to be doing a night of film study. Would love to get as many people as involved, in particular, if you're interested in a career in analytics or you're interested in, in just doing some analytics as, as a fun hobby and want to know how to conduct a study or want to know how to look at film. Michael will be doing a couple of presentations. I'll be doing a couple. And we're looking for other people to present who would like to. So if you'd like to present or you'd like to just attend, we'd love to have you. And uh, give me a contact on Twitter and I'll get you on the list to, to be uh, in for that. All right, that sounds great. Uh, also, if you just follow Film Study, you will see a link on his Twitter to uh, this show, and that'll have everyone's Twitter handles in it. So you can click through, and that way, subscribe to everyone. All right, guys, thanks for joining us tonight, and uh, we'll see how many other other of these players we got to dig in as deep as we dug into Ben Powers tonight. <laughs> so have a good night. Thanks, guys. Thanks, thanks a lot, fellas. When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com podcast. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.